Monica, let's start out by state your name and give a, you know, where you're working, your position, that type of thing. I am Monica Watkins. I work at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. My title here is Senior Education Administrator for the fellowship programs. I work in the education office for the Department of Medicine and around me is the senior administrator for the residency program. We have the administrator for the student programs and for the med peds. So we're all closely, you know, vicinity of working with each other and work together quite closely. What's different in my position is I am at the department level and all the subspecialties that fall under the Department of Medicine had from allergy to rheumatology and all those in between. There is someone in each division that, uh, you know, is the contact person for the fellowship programs. And I'm kind of a resource to them. And there are certain things that I handle and certain things they handle and things we handle together. And when I started this position, I'm always, I, I want to know everything right now. And there, it doesn't matter how many binders you have, how many resources you have. Tom is the best, is your best friend. And it, I feel like it took years for me to learn things and be able to have the answers or to, to at least have the knowledge and the wisdom to guide people to the answers. It seemed like when I would begin to know, a new question would come up. So how many years have you been doing this? And kind of describe a day in the life of your job. Okay. Um, I have been at the University of Mississippi Medical Center for 12 and a half years. I was a former school teacher. And and that's one thing I always say, I, I taught kindergarten. I taught first grade and then I moved to middle school and now I work with residents and fellows and I have found that it's really not much difference. <laughs> uh, depend, no matter what your age, you're going to have those that always are going to do what you ask them to do in a timely manner. Sometimes it's going to be like pulling teeth to get anything from them. And some aren't even aware what email is or how to communicate. <laughs> so, um, But as far as this position, education administrator, I have been in this position about eight and a half years. And I do. I love my job. And I think that is one thing that that helps. And I don't know if it's the experiences I've had at at some of the schools where I taught and even in another department that I'm very grateful for for my job. And um, I'd say a day in the life is emails. Stay on top of emails. And I know there's a lot of people that go back and forth to, I am not checking emails on weekends or weeknights. And that's great if that's you I do it because it helps me. I'm not one that's obsessed with it. You know, if I get to it, great. But it helps me because some things you can answer just like that or you can forward it to the person who is able to assist them. You know, it seems like a lot of things happen at one time, whether it be interview season or everything's due. You know, it's time to get milestones in in January. 
and making sure that, that we're on top of that. And then other times I try to think of some of the things we're doing, what could we do to make that better? Or what's a better communication or a better, you know, just a better way of doing something. And, um, and also asking people, I ask the divisions because we don't micromanage you know, from a department level. So it's kind of like, how do you handle your CCC meetings? How do you handle, um, you know, what are your best practices? You know, and just from anything from handling leave, sometimes the resident, the trainee does it themselves. Sometimes the administrator does it, you know, so kind of seeing across the department, how do you do this? And then sharing that with each other. So I try to have a meeting too with all the administrators. Yeah. So you're, you're GME, you're at a fellowship level. So this is post residency, I assume. So if you could just describe that a little bit and then go into describing your calendar, in other words, through the year, what is the academic calendar like for you as it relates to fellows, fellowships? That is something I always say when I'm meeting with a new administrator is I never want to insult anyone's intelligence, but I had no idea how any of the medical world worked when I started. Um, and so I go through that. I mean, I was in the education world for schools, so, you know, a trainee goes to college, they finish college, major in whatever, and that ranges. And then they do four years of medical school. And depending on the medical school to where they go, if they are an MD, a DO, an MBBS, MBCHB, whatever, depends on the medical school where they graduated. Once they complete medical school, then they have to choose a residency. There's residencies across the entire university internal medicine residency is a three-year program. So once they complete their three years of residency, they can either go and practice or they can choose a fellowship, which is specializing in a certain area. So like I said, allergy, it's a two-year fellowship. Cardiology, pulmonology, digestive diseases, Hematology, oncology, those are three-year programs. So geriatrics is a one-year program. So they do a fellowship to specialize in a certain area. Um, there are some who can't get enough education and they may do three or four fellowships. And um, so anyhow, those are the ones I deal with um, are the fellows mainly and, and assist with the residency program. As far as the calendar, I do have a calendar by month of, of, you know, a year at, at a glance of, you know, from onboarding to orientation to, you know, there's so many programs, you know, the ABIM and, and uh, which is the American Board of Internal Medicine, which is how they, you know, are light board certified. Um, from deadlines to things, the GME census, the web ads update, ACGME, you know, so I kind of have it at a glance by months of things that you deal with. And are, are you, um, are you like a guide on the side for these fellows um, or how do you view your job? That's interesting. It really is difficult to answer when people say, but what do you like, what do you do? And I'm like, 
I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I try, like I said, I'm a resource to them. Now, visas, anyone, our university accepts J-1 visas. So I'm the TPL, which is called the, which means the training program liaison. So across the board of the 69 fellows that we have, if they are, have a visa, then I am the, the TPL. As far as reminders of deadlines, I work with the divisions on that, remind them, work with the PD and, and the administrator, the program administrator in that program. Site visits, I play a part in that. In times when we may not have a program administrator in a certain division, then I become the PA for that program. And the annual program evaluation that we do in our system called MedHub. There are a lot of documents that I do. And then, so I've tried to come up with a form that what I am responsible for, what the program administrator is responsible for, but I just always want them to know I'm a resource for them. I'm there to help them, to guide them. If you could just talk to who you report to and just share some tips on, on the best way to handle your supervisor. I'm very fortunate that he's wonderful. I respect him dearly. I would say I was probably a little intimidated by him. He is extremely intelligent, but he's so real and so genuine. And I am fortunate to have that relationship. And I think that's important. I think when you're not sure starting off working with someone, you know, I always want to know what are their expectations of me? You know, what, what do they expect from me? And um, I think it's important. And I know everybody's different and some people don't work well with someone, but I think as far as if you can get on the same page of what they expect from you and in return, what you expect of them. Um, I'm one, if, if I'm doing something that, needs to be corrected or you want better, you know, to tell me. So how often do you, how often do you communicate with your supervisor? He has an office on our floor. And um, of course he's also in clinic. As far as communicating one-on-one, I feel like I can do that anytime that I want. I feel comfortable texting him, calling him. In fact, I was texting him about all this noise <laughs> upstairs and say, what is going on? And he agreed that it was supposed to be done after hours. So I'm very, it's a comfortable relationship. We do meet once a year as far as an evaluation. And he, he just handles it so well, you know, um, but I, 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 we don't have set meetings. I mean, we do have program leadership meetings, which involves the, the PD, the APD, APDs, our chief residents, and then the administrators I mentioned. So we do that like every other Tuesday, as of like today, it's a two hour meeting. But one-on-one, -on -one, um, really just whenever I feel, he'll, he'll pop in and check and what type of tips can you give a new administrator on handling program directors? We have 12 divisions and we have 14 fellowship programs. Because of cardiology, we have advanced heart failure and transplant. We have interventional cardiology and we have um, adult congenital heart disease, which is why there are 
more program directors than there are divisions. Um, I have an email group that is set up of the program directors and the associate program directors for each division. And I also have a group of all the administrators in each one. And we also have quarterly a, a fellowship program director meeting where the APDs and the program administrators come as well. Again, I like knowing what their expectations of me or if there's anything they need assistance with. Um, and sometimes that can be working with the administrator. I will go to their office and, and work with them. But again, I, like, I, I just feel like developing relationships is good. And I know they are busy doctors. They have many other things to do, but uh, it helps in that I know that each and every one of them are comfortable to reach out to me when they feel like they have a question about this or that, or I'm copied on the emails they send to their administrator. So there's no stepping on toes. I feel like we work together. What do you find to be the most difficult role that you play or difficult part, difficult part of your calendar um, that you find difficult or challenging? I think one thing that is challenging, um, interview season, we don't want to micromanage, but we also want to give guidance that will be helpful in recruiting and don't always agree with the way they do those things, you know, and, and so I, I mean, I have reached out and said, okay, the video you played for the interview is so outdated and none of those people are here anymore. And so if, if applicants are doing their research, they know that was not the program director. That was the, you know, just things like that of how it's going to be a reflection of our university and our fellowship programs. And, and also, um, kind of too of how things they do with the fellows. I think some fellows are doing more administrative work than they feel they should. So we, we kind of want to be consistent in remembering this, this is a training program and, you know, it's good that the fellows know some of the things to do, like how to, what is a PA and, and, um, a prior authorization and how to do that, but not where they're spending so much time doing the administrative work. And I don't mean to be getting sidetracked here, but just um, trying to better the programs without coming across as if you're micromanaging or, or telling them what to do. Right. So you're the, um, as the education administrator, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what type of responsibilities you feel you have as far as how the education is being delivered? That is where um, the vice chair of education, who also is our residency program administrator, my supervisor, he, he and I um, are the ones that lead the PD programs and stuff. So we work closely together and talk about things like that, making sure we bring these things up uh, so that we can hear them talk together and share best practices. Um, we can also, because they're linked, the residency program can work with 
how many residents are own services when a division is saying, okay, we don't have enough manpower or they didn't match this year. So we need to put more residents on there. So I have a say in that, um, you know, as far as helping, I, I don't ever have a say in this is how you're doing it, which I would never, never think about doing, but just kind of saying, when I hear things from the divisions, I can kind of talk to, the vice chair and say, hey, okay, we need more residents on this service. They're kind of drowning. Or um, even when a program administrator comes to me and says, I know we all wear different hats, whatever our title or position is, but when a program administrator reaches out to me and says, I'm looking for another job because I'm dealing with patient care and I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with this, but I don't have the time to to focus on the fellowship program, then I try to say, okay, what can we do about that? So let's talk ACGME for a minute. As it relates to the ACGME guidelines uh, and sort of approaching those as a new administrator, can you give some advice as to how you approached it to, you know, understand it and any, you know, any tips there? This is my binder. Even though I'm an electronic person, this includes every division with all the ACGME requirements for each division. I will never pretend to know everything in this binder. What I do suggest to a new program administrator is to, I mean, I guess you don't have to print it off, but I like having print, have it printed material so that I can highlight, so that I can make notes because there are definitely more things that are in your day-to-day that you need to kind of be familiar with. Um, I was intimidated when someone told me that because I was like, I can't learn all this, but you don't have to. You don't have to. It's knowing where to find the information if you need it. So just reading over it, you know, several times, highlighting what you know applies to you, looking at the education, looking at the um the supervisory positions and things like that help, helps you stay on track. So I, I think that's very important. Um, one thing I like to point out too, I went to the um, meeting in Chicago for new program administrators at ACGME and I was so intimidated. I will say I had been in my position almost three years when I went and there were so many people there that, literally they hadn't even started. They were going to this meeting and starting the next week, or they were in the first six months with this course as well. I hope that it's not people that have literally been in their job for a few weeks because it was like a foreign language, all the acronyms, all the things that were said. I had no idea what, you know, they had no idea what they were talking about because I had been there in my position close to three years I was familiar with the terms. I was more familiar. The ACGME intimidated me. I felt like it was the, you know, they want you to fail. They're going to see what you do wrong. And that is absolutely not. They want to see you succeed. They want the programs to succeed. So they are your ally. And, and that helped me tremendously not to be intimidated by this ACGME accreditation board. You know, they are there to help answer your questions. So you're sending 
ACGME evaluations and could you just kind of describe, you know, what those things are that, that are being evaluated? Um, I have a MedHub folder. That is the evaluation system we use. And this right here, I get from every division and it's their rotation schedule. So I have every fellow and what, which rotation they will be doing every month. And I enter that into MedHub. And then at the end of the month, I send an evaluation. Um, I'm looking at cardiology. Um, you know, this fellow was on UMC cath that month. And I know um, who the attending is. I find out who the attendings are. And I send and the what, evaluation. What, what, kind of, what kind of questions are on the evaluation? Are we, are we talking about specific skills and knowledge or? Skills and knowledge that is based on the milestones. So, and some of the program administrators do, they send their own evaluations. Um, I used to do it for all the programs. Now I just do it for a handful. Okay, faculty evaluation of a fellow. Okay, so it is invasive cardiovascular testing. And then it has the scale descriptions from the milestones. You know, if they're at level one, at level two, level three, level four, level five, and it will say, you know, at the levels, perform some elements of diagnostic cardiac catheterization with direct supervision, kind of just where they are. I think, you know, think of it as a rubric and it's the milestones and those. Right. Are and so, so, so milestones are like competencies. Right, Do yeah. they, you know, what level are they at for this type of procedure? And so are you saying then that, that ACG is tracking the competencies of each fellow, each person? We enter the milestones. In fact, that is due in January. And you go into ACGME when the um, CCC meets. Most divisions have a CCC meeting, Clinical Competency Committee, and they discuss the where each fellow is based on the evaluations and their you know own personal feedback with them and then we enter the milestones into the acgme everyone who's accredited enters milestones in acgme as a administrator and you know the guide on the side how often do you actually uh, you know operate like a guidance counselor or if somebody is is falling a little short in terms from a competency standpoint. Do you actually, do you care about that? Do you work with the actual fellows or is that somebody else? I do not work with the actual fellows about that. I, I run the evaluations and try to keep the program directors aware. Um, our system is set up when a low score evaluation comes through that they are contacted. I am contacted the vice chair. When I say they, I mean the program director. Um, of a low score and what they need to watch. Um, there are times I do reach out to the program director to make sure they received that. And I might be a part of the discussion, but no, I do not work with the fellows themselves or really ever let them know that I'm aware. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit um, about your view towards finding a mentor? Did you have a mentor? I would say the the one in the position in this position before I came was a mentor. She had, um, she was the first person that became the fellowship programs administrator at the department level. So she was kind of on her own to, 
to build what she thought needed to be done. And things were a lot smaller at that time. And so I, but she was definitely a mentor there for me. She is who I, I went to for questions. I'd say our residency program administrator with her wealth of knowledge, you know, she has been somewhat of a mentor. Just having someone you're comfortable with and, and, and even in doing this education course, you know, Stephanie and Whitney and Julie, it's been nice. I mean, you know, I've literally met them through this course, but we've emailed, you know, a little bit on the side and, and I felt comfortable to say, okay, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what is wanted here of me, you know, and we build each other up. So I think it's really good to have these, these, um, you know, networking and being able, able to talk. And this is great. Why don't you get a little philosophical here um, about what you do, you know, the contributions that you're making in, within the system and, you know, growing the next generation of, of physicians that are going to care for people. The team that I work with is wonderful. Um, if you read anything about Mississippi and, and when we do post interviews uh, or we do, um, we talk to people who are trainees here or why did you want to do your training here? The people, and, and I know people say that everywhere, but it's so true here. Um, they're humble, they are, we work together and, and it means a lot when you feel like you are heard and what you say matters and that you can be a part of a conversation and in the education of future trainees. And of course, our goal is hopefully that they will want to stay in Mississippi and, and you know, take care of our state. But at the same time, we want to want to help them wherever they want to go, wherever their career leads them, and hope that they will be a good reflection of UMMC and where they came from. And, and I think that matters. And I think one of the main things I always think about with trainees is, are they someone I would want to treat my family? And I think that says so much so I'm fortunate to work with a great team. We laugh, we, we discuss, we don't always agree on things, but we, I think our main focus, which as it should be, are our trainees and our patients and that our patients are getting the best care. Can you, can you address that a little bit about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion? What you do personally uh, as it relates to that and how you, um, how you feel about it. I absolutely can. I happen to be the administrator for the diversity and inclusion committee for the department of medicine. Um, I'm also, and I have a certificate to show that I am a champion <laughs> at diversity and inclusion because of a course we were asked to take, which was very, very educational. Um, I've always considered myself not to be a racist and, and all of that, but it's not about just being black, white, whatever. There's so many biases we have, whether it's women, men, young, old, uh, you know, cultural differences. And 
you know, it, it's been really interesting. So it's, of course, we're hoping everyone um, at the university takes because it's very informative. We also have, we are going through residency interviews right now. We have different subcommittees that meet and I'm on the um, diversity and inclusion, the, the URM committee, the underrepresented minority group. And we discuss the applicants. And yes, we do need more diversity, but we also don't lose sight of let's not get so hung up on this. We still want the best applicants. And the thing is, they are some of the best applicants, no matter of their, you know, Black, Hispanic, uh, Puerto Rican, Iranian, you know, whatever. We want to look at the whole person. And we were one of seven academic institutions across the United States that was picked for a holistic recruiting pilot program. And I work closely um, on that with the with academic affairs and our diversity and inclusion administrator. I think with anything, some people are open to it. Some people feel that they don't, oh, I'm good. I'm not racist. I'm, I'm good. But it's so much more than about race um, inclusion. And the main thing that's talked about around here with diversity and inclusion is educate yourself. And that is what so many of us need to do. And some are open to it. Like I said, we have through our health stream modules and things that we can do. And then the champion course is something you sign up for that we hope everyone will take. But it just really, we all have biases, whether we realize it or not, we have biases. But um, so I think educating yourself is is what we're trying to do around here. Yeah. So I have one final question. How do you handle work-life balance and what kind of recommendations would you give to new administrators on protecting their own well-being? I think the most important thing is, is knowing when to leave it. And, you know, so often we want to check a box. I finished that, I finished that, I finished that. I think it's good each day to maybe make a list, even if it's just five things on there or, or one thing, this is what I want to accomplish today. And when it's time to go, go home. Of course, if you're meeting a deadline, that's a different thing. But knowing, you know what, it's going to be there the next day. It's going to be there for you to pick up. Um, I will have to admit, um, one, of, one of my weaknesses sometimes is prioritizing. Like, okay, I need to do this, 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 and this, but what should I do first? It's, you know, it's kind of like when you walk into a room at your house and go, oh, I need to, I need to clean off this bookshelf. And then you walk to put a book up. Oh, I need to clean this up and you get sidetracked. So I think it's important to, to jot down. These are the things, if I accomplish this one or two things today before I leave, that's great. But when you go home, you're home and all of that's going to be there the next day. To me, you have to want to do a good job. You know, if you want to do a good job, 
I don't, I don't want to disappoint anyone and I want to do my best at it. To me in this position, you have to want to do a good job and it can make your life run so much more smoothly when you care. That's great. That's great. That's a great ending. So thank you very much, Monica. You're a great teacher. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate yep. it. I'll see you later. Yep. Bye. Bye.